On the Empire Podcast this week, we go green with Robin Hood. No, not that one. Nor that one. Nor that one. No, we're talking about Taron Edgerton. Plus the usual news and nonsense on the movie podcast that notched up another glorious victory on HQ Trivia this week. Add more cash to the retirement pot, Chiefs. The day is fast approaching when I'll be sitting on a beach earning 20%. <laughs> Of £1.16. Hello, Pod. I'm Chris Hewitt, and welcome to the Empire Podcast. This week, I'm joined by three colleagues of such lethal cunning, two of whom are excited about the new Hamilton song that dropped this week from our good chum, Linny Manny, and one who, frankly, couldn't give a shit. She could have been anywhere else in the world tonight, but her geek queen, Helen O'Hara, I can't see her, she's behind a speaker, chose um, to be here instead. How are you? You all right? Um, I'm coldy, so apologies now from a voice, but, you know, otherwise fine. Yeah, okay, no, it's good, it sounds husky. Thank like you, a, yes. like, a, like a young Kathleen Turner. I am, that's exactly what I'm going for, you know. Not, not bad, Mr. Valiant, just drawn that way. <laughs> from my perspective, you're like Kathleen Turner, but if she had a speaker for a head. Yeah, well, you too, in fairness, Chris. <laughs> it's, it's an you improvement. The back of a speaker for a face. Oh, this is what I've always wanted. Uh, who else is here? We've got the young whippersnapper who may not live to see our glory, but he will gladly join the fight. It's Ben Travis. Under toi, quatre, no, six, six, no, six, no, six, no, no, Ben, no, stop it. What just no, happened? F- no French in the Empire <laughs> podcast. We've discussed this. Uh, and last but not least. Um, James Dyer is also here, which is nice, I guess. Hi, Chris. Hey, you're right. Yes. Good, good, good. Uh, we'll talk about that Hamilton song later on. I don't understand. Uh, Linny Manny, Lima Miranda dropped a new Hamilton song in this French. week. No, in English. So what was Ben singing? Uh, another I Hamilton was being song. Young oh, God. Uh, Philip Hamilton, who learns French and plays the piano with his mother. You're alarmingly close to me. I'm finding this very disconcerting. We are sharing a microphone. We're sharing a microphone due to logistical difficulties. Yes, logistical difficulties. When, you know, we, we, all will become clear. But anyway, never mind these logistical difficulties. As I mentioned in my intro, I triumphed in last night's HQ Trivia Star Wars special. So did Johnny Pyle, our deputy editor. Ben... Crashed out disastrously on a question about what? What was it? It was, oh, it was an Attack of the Clones question. Well, I'm not it? as au fait with the prequels. Oh, it, it was, was uh, which who's not a member of the Jedi Council and Attack of the Clones? And Plo Koon, Yoda, and Obi Wan Kenobi. Mm-hmm. And obviously the answer is Obi Wan Kenobi because Plo Koon is a member of the Jedi Council. Ben, I didn't go for Plo Koon. I went for uh, Yoda. I was thinking of Yoda. Some, Yoda. I was like, is there some kind of technicality? What the fuck is wrong with you? I thought they were all on it. Oh, I thought they were all on it. Uh, See, this whole thing is a sore point for me because I set a special reminder so that. I would not miss this because I thought this of all the times and I have literally never won HQ I've never won and this was going to be my moment to triumph because no one can beat me at this and I fucking forgot because I was arguing <laughs> politics with my mum at the time wow okay wow. brilliant that's yeah. good to know you would have yeah. won £1.16 yeah, or maybe would. 15 it would have gone down if you'd been one extra person in the in the quiz but anyway the quiz was hosted by our favourite HQ host uh, we do love Shazza Carpenter obviously uh, but it's Beric Livingston who has captured our geeky hearts Long-time listeners will know I occasionally trot out a cheeky Beric impression on the podcast. And last night I was studying him in great detail. And you know what, guys? I think I perfected it. Listen to this. Hello and welcome to HQ Trivia. Tonight we have a Star Wars quiz for all you Star Wars geek heads. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. Uh, my name is Chris Hewitt and I have 59 monitors around me with all my Star Wars knowledge in a row. I shall be looking at buttons, I shall be pressing answers, and I think I'm going to win that pound and sixteen pence. That was really good. What do you think? That was really good. Wait, Not bad, you sounded eh? just like him. Hang, hang on what a second. It? What's wrong? You're cheating, Chris. Let's be honest, Why? you're cheating. Well, but you've got 
Beric here. Oh, that is, oh, yeah, that's right. That reminds me. Yes, sir. That was Beric Livingstone. Hello, sir. How are you? <laughs> Hello, Chris. I'm I'm marvelous. How are you? Should we speak at the same time so people don't know? You know, people know that it's They've not. Never seen you, us together. You, you've never seen us together in the same yeah. room. Clark Kent, Superman type thing going on here. Welcome to the. Uh, the Thank Empire you very podcast. much. I've been uh, listening to your show with uh, equal excitement. This is huge. But have you ever won you? one pound sixteen? I've never for... won one pound sixteen, <laughs> no. but I feel enriched in different ways. From, <laughs> from your ones. We should we should do that. We should start giving away money. Oh yeah. Just, just, uh, that, that would last. A new game called What's in James's Pocket? Because James. In fairness, 1.16 is usually the answer. Nothing but knives and lint. <laughs> He's not wrong. He's not wrong. What do you have in your pocket? I have. I'm sorry, Chris, that's a savage question I can't possibly answer. <laughs> Unquestioned Sauvage. All uh, I've got here is the one ring in mine. So really? Yeah. I have a Pret uh, receipt for a hot wrap and a can of Coke Zero. Yeah, I've got all the receipts from the, the Sainsbury's that I pass on the way home and go, I've already eaten, I don't need anything. But, I, but I'll just pop in for a sandwich, a box of chocolates and a glass of champagne. But, Barry, thank you for joining us. We're huge fans of HQ. Uh, it has eaten up our time in the office over the last few <laughs> good, months. Good. Uh, I've, I've notched up a pretty decent HQ retirement fund it's over the last few weeks. extraordinary, yeah. Because yeah. uh, I heard some speculation that I was a bot once, but you've won so many times, I'm just wondering <laughs> if you could be a bot. I mean, you look pretty realistic, but no there's, there's a lot of technology out there. Yeah. My, my skin is so much better than the early How do you do so models. well, apart from, oh, it's your job to know about movies? I have won the normal HQ low a have couple you? of times, yeah, which is just luck, just hammering it's the right It's not luck, but... you cheat. You have extra lives. <laughs> that's not cheating, that's part of the game. It's and you are allowed no, one extra mm. life per game. I need to air grievances. Air away. Oh, okay. God. So, so, in one quiz, right. it was specifically stated which had the higher production budget, Avatar or Tangled. Oh, and you yeah. went with Tangled. I query that really? as a matter of fact. <laughs> really? <laughs> Even though Wikipedia states it wrongly. I mean, did you include the catering? Well, and, <laughs> and the blue paint. I ate a fair amount of the catering on the set of avatars. That might have accounted for a lot of it. But uh, so that, that's that's one grievance. One grievance. Okay, it's fine. I'll so I'll you owe me money that. for that. That's yeah, like yeah. that's in the bank. Uh, and the other one is this. The other one is this. When we have a movie themed quiz, mm. I am officially banning you from asking questions such as. Mm. When Time Out did a list of greatest films, that is a question about Time Out. It is not a question about movies. Good Lord. Look, I have a lot of, I have a lot of anger. I, I have a lot of do. rage. This money but, should have been mine. I was robbed. But, but James, maybe if you put things, I don't know, in perspective, <laughs> then you might find that effective just in dealing with I don't know what you mean. <laughs> it's just a game. Um, I mean, part of the art, if you like, or the craft of it, is to try and make games that vary between enough people can yeah. win that they're enjoying it and but, but they're, they're hard enough that they're genuinely the themed ones are genius the Harry Potter one I mean again I've missed it but still <laughs> I'm sure it was great I'm sure you played it didn't you Ben I played it and I, again no I lost on that one as well what was the question the Avatar oh. budget again it was, yeah, yeah, we just stuck that in <laughs> it was a curveball <laughs> it was a question about which of the shops is not on Diagon Alley Ooh, and what, and what was yeah. it oh. um, so the one that I did recognise was Gamble and Japes Gamble and Japes mm -hmm. obviously, obviously is obviously. on Diagon Alley uh, but the two others I can't remember what the options were, but I didn't recognise. Was one of them a nocturnal alley? Is that is that the problem? I think it was oh. just a. I think it was, I think just, it was just a made up, up shop. We did something like cups and saucers. I think we did all cups and sorcerers. Oh, good. Um, was good the problem. neck, mm -hmm. and, and and then. Um, yeah, but to me that was really easy because it didn't sound like a Harry Potter shop to me. See, so I, I was, thought it might be a bit of a fake Sometimes out. we try and sometimes double bluff the, like, double the hell bluff. out of it, so which is, you know, yeah, that's yeah, why we I mess with people's me. minds as much as possible. <laughs> you should do a, a Game of Thrones themed one and then you could dress up as Beric Dondarrion, <laughs> the lightning round lord. He's <laughs> <laughs> eh? eh? the only other Beric I've ever yeah. heard of. Uh, so, yeah, that's you get a, a movie namesake or a TV namesake. <laughs> James, how do you think I would do with the Game of Thrones quiz? I think you... Do you know what? The thing about you... 
something that annoys me the absolute most is given that you've watched at most two episodes of that show, you would almost certainly get all of them right. (laughs) It would... Oh, you're maddening. Uh, so how long, because we won't be listening for three or four months, how long mm. have you been with HQ? What's, uh, how did it start for you? Months, um, okay. I mean, they started, as you know, in the US, uh, and then they wanted to branch out into the UK. Um, they were looking for UK presenters. There was there was a casting, um, yeah, and, and and it just kind of kind of fitted. So I've been doing it since, I think, about April. Okay. And, wh- and what is life like outside HQ? Um, where would people find you? What, where would what they know is you? life outside HQ? <laughs> there is nothing outside HQ. I started as an actor and kind of branched into music and latterly had been doing a lot of music production, um, post-production, composing. So often that's something I can slot in around HQ um, and it can be done remotely or whatever. So, so it, it just, about, just about works. But HQ, is, it's, um, it, there's a lot to it and there's a lot to kind of keep up with. So it's, it's taking up a lot of my um, thought right now. And it's a really fun kind of ride, but it's a full-on one. We might do our own version, uh, round the back of Morrison's. <laughs> around, yeah, do it. By the pins, I mean, round the back of Morrison's. Is that where you're going to whack me? Round the back of Morrison's? <laughs> oh, it be Morrison's box. Yeah, the, the kind of savage question you get there, you'd never survive it. No, that's true. <laughs> Win whatever we find in Barrick's pockets. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's taking a dark turn. <laughs> anyway, 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 anyway. Uh, should we move on? I actually have a listener question. Should we do that? Barrick, sure. you want to hang around and, and answer this? If you, you know, Surely. Ben, Ben, you have the question because um, I forgot to write it down. So this is from uh, Veronica Marzal. Uh, so following up on Helen's comment that older actors should leave the door open for younger actors, what are your favourite examples of younger actors playing the same role as an older actor? Uh, so she says, my vote goes to Ewan McGregor uh, playing a young Albert Finney in Big Fish. Uh, and, of course, honourable mention to Donald Glover as a young Lando in uh, mm. Solo this summer. I'd like to second that Ewan McGregor thing, actually. I think he's a really good call. And if you see... so. Warner Brothers has a screening room and they used to have pictures up on the wall of some celebrities and they had a picture of a young Ewan McGregor and he actually does look exactly like a young Albert Finney. Oh, really? Yeah, I think that, I honestly think that was where somebody got the idea to... I mean, Bob De Niro looks exactly like Marlon Brando. (laughs) Right, (laughs) so that that was uncanny. (laughs) So, so yeah, I would second that one. Um, I would also throw in, not so much for a physical resemblance, but just in terms of doing a really good job, uh, the late, great River Phoenix for Indiana Jones. Oh, yeah. Which I loved. I'm going to say Henry Thomas and Timothy Hutton, who were the old and young <laughs> Hugh Cranes from The Haunting of Hill House. Incredibly good casting there. Do you think Incredibly they, good. They, they like, look so alike, apart from the really shitty blue contact lenses that they put on the younger version. Aren't they, like, about ten years apart in real well, life? I think... I, are they? I don't know. Right, let's have a look. A look. Timothy Hutton one. is... They might be ...born 50. in 1960, and Henry Thomas was born in 1971. So, yes, exactly that. <laughs> Anyway, uh, but no, they look alike. So, yeah, you know, well done. Good casting. That's Props to the yeah, casting director. That's, that's my thing. I mean, I, that's the one thing that took me out of the Haunting of Hill House. But you didn't think they looked alike? Or was it the contact lenses? <laughs> no, it was the fact that I didn't think Timothy Hutton was older. It was old enough to be the older version. He looks pretty haggard in it, you know, but he's been through a lot. I don't think he does look pretty haggard. Oh, I think I he, he looks did. like a guy who's in his, at best... Which is very, you know, this is a compliment to Timothy Hutton. Early fifties, I would say, and I didn't really understand why they didn't just put Henry Thomas in prosthetics. Well, Apart okay. from maybe they would have had to pay him more. Piss on my chips, why don't um, you? I, I seem to remember some really good uh, old young casting in Space Cowboys as well. Do you remember Space Cowboys? It was that not very good film with Clint Eastwood. Yeah, well, they were going to space. Uh, James Garner, people like that. Robert Duvall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. The, the the older younger versions of themselves were really quite convincing. It was. I remember that being really impressive. I erased time. that film from my memory. 
well, okay, then you can't really contribute on that point, can you? That's true. <laughs> I'm going to go incredibly uh, first base and say something very obvious and recent, but uh-huh. one of the best things in Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald, is uh, Jude Law's young Dumbledore. I think he's really, really good casting for that. Uh, he's not in the film a huge amount, but I think in the time that he is there, uh, he makes a really good impression. He, you feel the sort of gravity of him, but you can also see the slightly younger wit and energy to him. I think he feels of a piece probably more with uh, Michael Gambon's Dumbledore in the later Harry Potter films but I think I think he's a really good choice I'm really intrigued to see more of him in the next three films I have a question I believe that's what they threatened yes. at what point did incredibly dapper uh, Jude Lord Dumbledore in his three piece tweed suit decide that he would jack all that shit in for jewel encrusted onesie robes and matching hats uh, well interestingly uh, someone on Twitter had an answer to this when he got tenure <laughs> And he was like, no effort, I'm in my comfort zone, fuck it, robe's on. <laughs> Amazing. I think uh, Beric's uh, nailed pretty much this one. It's, it's, it's Bobby De Niro, isn't it? And, and Marlon Brando. It's, <laughs> I mean, that's just, that's just that's the gold standard, isn't it? Yes, I mean, they look nothing like each other, but other than that, absolutely perfect. Mm. Do you not think? No. Young De Niro was no. very dashing, very handsome. Young Brando was very dashing, very handsome. Yes. In totally, in totally different, different ways. Totally different ways. Yes. They both have faces. They do have both have faces and you, voices and feet. And at some point, they, he could afford cotton wool and you know <laughs> yeah. popped it in and you know like, like no, don't want come exactly. What was that? Look, leave me alone. Someday, I don't know. What was yeah, that? That was, was awful. I was, I was trying to Brando, and let's be honest, failing. Uh, what about say Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Bruce Willis? I mean, in no. Looper. Yes. No, it's terrible yes. casting. Though. No, because the, the I mean they're both great actors. But yeah, but the prosthetics casting. make them look. No, it doesn't. It does. No, it, it really does. Doesn't. No. Oh. Helen. Helen. Wear, wearing a bad fake nose is not the same as making them look alike. Oh, I think it does. He has a proper Brucey nose. You have a proper Brucey nose. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What? Well, well, that's me and my place. When Helen has a cold, she feels like a cornered mongoose. She, she will just lash out arbitrarily. She's like a honey badger. What about uh, our, our, old, our favourite subject, Helen? Mm-hmm. Anyone in the MCU? There was a guy who played... Young Kurt Russell in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, mm, who was, he was very, he was very impressive, uncanny. Yeah, we're going we to be talking about Chris Russell, uh, Kurt Russell again later, aren't we? We are, we are indeed. Yeah. yeah, he was pretty good. He was very good. What was his name? K Russell. Something. I think it was K Russell. <laughs> K something Russell. I think it was Kurt Russell. But uh, because the MCU now does this weird de aging thing, that yep. it doesn't really happen that often. I think it happened in Black Panther. So we see T'Chaka as a young T'Chaka. I've got a controversial one. Okay, Tom Hardy. Oh, no, 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 no. Young clone no. of Patrick Stewart. As Praetor Shinzon <laughs> of the Riemann Empire. <laughs> that's the one. Yeah. I mean, they just gave him a little sticky on Patrick Stewart nose. Young Captain Kirk. I'm not so sure about that one either. Well, Chris Pine yeah. morphing into William Shatner. Mm-hmm. I mean, he would never. Well, I mean, I, yeah, it's, uh, after. I mean, if you can imagine, like, an after uh, making an album with Spock and doing, like, poetry and having a band and stuff, maybe it could happen. That, that True. I should have know, just used had a Shatner. Big, <laughs> would have been better for you? Better for us? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear Chris Pine singing Common People now. It'd be one of the best things ever. I'm going to finish by mentioning one of the big daddies. We started with Ewan McGregor. Let's finish with Ewan McGregor. Ah, uh, yes. Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi Wan. Obi Wan. No, I, I don't like that because I, I just hate his Alec Guinness voice. 
going on there. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair. And like, but Master Yoda said I should be mindful of the future. <laughs> Can we not have the expense of the living force? It's like Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman doing Alec Guinness voice in in the uh, you know in the Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Oh my god, yeah. He was totally like trying to channel Sir mm. Alec, and you know, like, just, you just should leave. You just shouldn't. Yeah. Uh, can we have Alec Guinness himself as as you know the the son of other characters in Kind Hearts and Hearts? <laughs> the son, the younger brother, the younger sister. You name it, he's there. Yeah. Playing eight different characters brilliantly. Okay. Uh, I think that the best example of that is clearly Michael J. Fox in Back to the Future 2, where he <laughs> plays his own daughter. <laughs> he does terribly. He? So badly. I love that film, but my God, he's we'll so bad in this We'll moments. need to talk about that, that film in news. Um, there was a very disturbing tweet this morning. Did you see this? Saying that allegedly Back to the Future is the franchise that most of the public want to see remade. To which I say, no! <laughs> <laughs> that Helen, is all. Helen will go back. And change that before it happens. <laughs> I will. Yeah, with whom? Like, because James Corden will get it or something. Oh, oh, that, oh yes. Oh, I'm totally on board. <laughs> no. No, I'm going to have nightmares. He now. could play oh, Doc Brown and Marty. No. Because he's endlessly versatile, isn't he? And the, he's a people's sweetheart. Get all his friends in to be the band. <laughs> oh, gosh. It'd be DeLorean. DeLorean karaoke. Cool karaoke. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. James, I can see you're, you're loving this idea. <laughs> yes. I've been a huge fan of his since I did a set visit for Lesbian Vampire Killers, which we can all agree <laughs> is a stone-cold classic. <laughs> but surprisingly doesn't feature in Empire's list of the 100 greatest movies no, for some that. reason. Not yet, they're, they're, they're redoing the list, though, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I've heard they, they left something out and have to add it in, so <laughs> must have been that. Uh, if you want to have your question read out on the Emperor podcast and treat it with the respect it deserves, you can get in touch with us via a number of methods. We're on Twitter as at Emperor Magazine. Use the hashtag Emperor Podcast, or chances are we won't see it uh, where else are we on Facebook Ben we should get a Facebook question I keep asking this I keep looking Look I keep looking people send in a Facebook question send in better will... Facebook questions send me a Facebook question because I have I have been trawling through the inbox and um, there's not really any there so yeah rubbish. uses Facebook come on it's just people complaining about stuff Nonsense. Russians use Russians. Facebook. <laughs> Facebook. What's that about? Topical. Yeah. We have revised the list for you. <laughs> Hashtag. Here's question for Emperor Podcast. <laughs> Which favorite Russian accent? Um, wow. Obviously, Sean Connery's in the Without a doubt. <laughs> we shale into history. Of course, actually. Although somebody told me recently uh, he's Lithuanian, so... Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. I read yeah, that. Right. I read yeah. that. So, actually, Amazing. it's perfect. It's spot it's, on. It's a perfect he's Scottish Lithuanian yes. accent. He, he could be. He could have grown up in Lithuania, but spent a summer on exchange in Glasgow or <laughs> yeah. Edinburgh. Edinburgh. Right? Yeah, much more accurate. Anyway, anyway, you can also email us as well, podcast at empireonline.com. Right, next up we're going to do movie news, but before that, Beric is going to take his leave of the podcast. Uh, Thank you, podcast. Just in well, case. Yeah. having me. <laughs> it's been, it's been a lot of fun. It's been wild. Do you have any questions for us, by the way? I, Ooh, yeah, questions for you. Yeah. Did you, did you, did you, did you should have uh, compiled a quiz for You us. mean like a little quiz? Yeah. I could do you a little quiz. Okay. I could, I could do you a, um, an HQ Unplugged Oh, quiz. I like that, yeah. With some... With some I, I, could, I could read it off a piece of paper. Oh, my God. Live and acoustic. Here we go. Um... Okay, I, I throw you. How many questions do you? I give you. Give you four questions. Three questions. Let's do three questions. Three That's questions. Three is a magic number. Okay, going to throw you an easy one. Um, so, what prompted Vin Diesel to offer Dwayne Johnson a part in the Fast and Furious franchise? A fan suggestion, a movie magazine vote, a dream. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be a dream. It's Vin Diesel. Yeah, I'm going with a dream just because uh -huh. I want it to be. I, I'll go with a fan's suggestion. Uh huh. 
I will also go with a fan suggestion. Interesting. So we've got a 50-50 split here. That's pretty much what we had on the on the um, show. But yeah, it was it was a fan suggestion. Yes! A fan suggestion. And it went so well, didn't it? Like, you should always listen to your fans and you'll never <laughs> fall out with your co-stars. <laughs> this is why Chris and I have money in the HQ bank. Right, uh, right, yeah. So, uh, what do I win for that period? You're so. one step closer to retirement. <laughs> okay, Let's good. go on to Q2. Um, <laughs> which of these stars appeared in a hip-hop video to promote an 80s crime caper? Kevin Costner, mm-hmm. Michael J. Fox, Tom Hanks. Oh, I know, I know this, this one. one. You do? I know this one. Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. Tell me what yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, what a classic track. What an amazing track. Dan Dan pretty much in my first week at Empire, Nick DeSemlian sat me down and made me watch the entirety <laughs> of the Dragnet I remember video. that. Wow. I, I mean, I tried to watch the whole of it for my research for this question, yeah. but I couldn't get all the way through. But, I, you know, it was, it was pretty special, isn't it? Tom Hanks <laughs> and Dan Aykroyd rapping and, like, Dan Aykroyd's brother on the production there with, like, the Fairlight CMI synthesizers. And, it's yeah. It's the sort of thing they just don't do these days. Tom Hanks doesn't do a rap for Bridge of Spies. Or I know. Yeah. <laughs> he missed a All trip that back. money and no rap. But okay, last question. Okay, last question. Who was banned from taking part in the Oscars in the 90s? Billy Bob Thornton, Richard Gere, Robert De Niro. Well, I happen to know this because this is um, one of the questions I got right on the oh, way to a recent victory. <sighs> so I'll, I'll. So hard to fuck you. <laughs> so what are the. What are I recuse myself Billy Bob Thornton, mm-hmm. Richard Gere, Robert De Niro. I'm going to go. Bobby De Niro and say that they looked into the future and saw whatever bad grandpa happening and just decided retroactively <laughs> that, that that was that was that that was done. That was a well thought through but yeah. wrong answer. Uh, I'm going to say I'm, Billy Bum Thornton. My uh, guess was going to be uh, Gear actually because okay. I have a, a vague memory of him wearing like an AIDS pin or something and getting told off for that. Really? Kind of, yeah. This was a super savage question on the show. We knocked out almost everybody. question, Um, savage. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly, yeah, you know. Oh, it's that impression. So, yeah, uh, I think he he said some words about Tibet when, when he did an order done. And, um, and they said, you can't come back here if you're going to get all political. <laughs> um, so you probably would have won that, this again, wouldn't you, Chris? I, I, in fact, I, I did win. So I have won this game of what's in Perry's pocket. <laughs> a lot of fun. Great. Which I imagine you, you just walk around receipts. with five five thousand pounds spending money, and I have to have a prize at the ready. Yeah, <laughs> cool. That was fun and, and, and well done on consistently winning the quiz. Thank you very much indeed, and uh, thank you so much for coming in. It's been Thanks an absolute pleasure. And, it was really uh, fun. Yeah, so next, yeah, movie yeah. night every Monday. Movie night every Monday indeed. Brilliant. Oh, and we're, we're reducing our Harry Potter lot. We're doing a hundred Harry Potter on Tuesday. Ooh, this yeah. is my chance. We're doing, we're doing <laughs> a, you fucked it a Marvel time. Universe on Thursday. Ooh. It's all about the movies on HQ right now. Oh, now you say you've inspired Universe. us. Is it, is it Marvel as oh, a whole? Dear. Is it MCU? Someone who really knows this subject. Is it... Any Marvel movie outs- as well as outside the MCU, do you know what the distinction I'm there is? I'm going to say so we can yes. Have you fact-checked the budgets <laughs> is what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm going to do that now. Uh, now, it's james at empiremagazine.com. If you could maybe slip me the answers ahead of time, there's a fiver in it for you. A lot of people richer than you have asked me that, <laughs> and they haven't, they haven't corrupted me yet. So. <laughs> Why spoil the fun? But thanks for having me. Brilliant. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, man. Thank <laughs> you. So that was Beric. Beric has gone, and now we can get on with the movie news section. Uh, it's Thanksgiving this week, so Hollywood kind of shut down. There wasn't really a lot of movie news out there. Not really a lot to get our teeth into, but enough, I would say. Hmm. Including the reveal of the full title of DC Birds. I did that. DC Birds of Prey. Yeah, I I mean, I saw this on, first of all, people put up the link to Margot Robbie's it was Instagram, mm-hmm. where she'd sort of written on her script, uh, Birds of Prey and the, the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. 
And I thought, that's cute. That's a, that's a nice doodle. <laughs> and then people started reporting on it like this was the name of the film. And I'm, I was literally like, wait, what? No, don't be, don't be ridiculous. That's clearly just a doodle. She's doodling on her script. And isn't that a fun thing to do? No, that's apparently the name of the film. And honestly, I think it's a terrible idea. I like it as a phrase and an interesting, you know use of words in the English language, but, like, come on, have some faith in your concept. If your concept is birds of prey, do birds of prey. It's like calling it Avengers featuring Tony Stark, honestly, so we're pretty sure you'll like it. I mean, you don't, you don't need to do that. You just need to have the confidence in your, in your concept and trust that that will sell. And if, and if she's a big part of it, then by all means put her front and centre in the advertising, you know... Why? I'm personally quite into it, to be honest. I quite like it. I think it because everyone's just going to call it Birds of Prey anyway. Um, Having worked in video stores, I know this to be exactly the case. You got that Birds of Prey movie? You know, it won't be. Do you have that fantabulous contraption of the thingy majiggers? It won't be that. It won't be that. People won't be using that on on mass. But I think it it feels like a little bit of a statement of intent, especially because one of the things that was quite troubling in Suicide Squad was was the Harley Joker relationship and the sort of power dynamics there were a bit not great and not in the way um, that that it should be troubling because yeah. Harley and the Joker mm. don't have a lovely relationship. But I think it just sets a bit of a precedent that this is going to be about her claiming her power back in a way um, and I think it's just quite a nice like it feels very in character for her the kind of the over the topness yeah the OTT and the um, it just feels really in, in character for Harley Quinn the over the top nature of the of the language and stuff mm-hmm. I think it's a fun nod that uh, even though it's official it's also kind of just there is a bit of a fun thing mm-hmm. for it is a film about a woman whose special power is she owns a baseball bat that is literally what this film is about it's not just though, so. is it that is her power, though, isn't it? She owns a bat. No. I own a bat. I'm not a superhero. Well, what's Batman's power? He is very rich, and mm-hmm. he's, you know, got gadgets. She has no gadgets. She has a slugger. He owns a batarang. He does. He owns and a batmobile. I, if I had a batarang, I'd feel, I'd feel certainly more super. Yeah, no, I, I, have, I have no problem with that. Uh, I quite like this title. I think it's flowery and in all the right ways, and I think in more films should have stupid titles and memorable titles and titles that stick in your mind and I don't think any of us are going to be able to shake the fanfabulous of, what's it called? Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn No one's going to really say that, but also it does show that, you know, she is kind of front and centre in this one. I take take your point though, I do take your point, uh, speakerhead Helen There you are, there you are. She shouldn't shouldn't necessarily, first of all, be front and centre You should trust your female ensemble first of all And, and second of all, like Again, you shouldn't, if, if it is that theme, Ben, which you suggest, and, and that's a good theme and everything, but you shouldn't have to put the, your theme in the movie <laughs> title, title for it to be clear to people. That's it's crazy. It's not really subtext when it's actually the name of the film. Yeah. There is no subtext in <laughs> the DCEU. But it's exciting still. I, you know, This is a film that I am cautiously optimistic about. Yeah, me too. Uh, it is directed by Kathy Yan. It starts shooting in January. It also stars the likes of Mary Elizabeth Winstead and Rosie Perez and Journey Smollett-Bell and Hugh McGregor, who we've been banging on about in this podcast as mm. Black Mask. So, I don't know. Hopefully this... It, it, the best thing that this movie has going for it is that it's not Suicide Squad 2. And I think we can all agree that it is a very, very good thing. And hopefully the Joker, as played by Jared Leto, 
will not show up in this and ruin everything. Uh, so there we go. That is... Way to sit on the fence, Chris. <laughs> that's one piece of movie news. Another piece of movie news that uh, happened in the week is that Chris Pratt attached himself limpet-like to a new reboot of The Saint. Yeah, that seems like good casting to me, actually. You think? I think so. I think Roguish he's... charm. Roguish mm. charm, um, touch for light comedy, uh-huh. um, you know, handsome... I yeah. think I think that that kind of takes all the boxes that you need to take. Do you think Chris Pratt is very much the Ian Ogilvie, or perhaps more accurately, the Roger Moore of the modern era? A little bit. Yeah. Can you think of anybody? I mean, there's probably some people who are more urbane than him, I'm, but yeah. I don't think he's far off. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I think that the character Simon Templar is, for me, and I know this didn't happen in the big budget remake with Val Kilmer, <laughs> with, with Val Kilmer, <laughs> which, which was I think terrible. We all rec- remember well. But I, I see him as Roger Moore and Ilgofi. I see him as a Brit, and uh, you know. I don't know, Chris Pratt did a British accent on an episode of Parks and Rec, which was <laughs> horrendous, but knowingly so. I don't think he's going to be playing him as a Brit, but I, you know, I just think, you know, if you're casting someone who's playing a suave British spy slash crime fighter at the moment, and you're not casting either one of the Henrys, Golding or Cavill, then what are you doing? <laughs> well, that, I mean, yes, um, but also we've taken over all their favourite superheroes in the last few years. So, I mean, maybe it's time to share and share alike. We have your Superman. We have your Spider-Man. We have your... We're going down the list now. Professor Xavier. Wow. We, we had their Batman for a while as well. Do we, you know what I mean? Yeah, we've we've, been, we've yeah. been around. So. Who else do we have? We, we have your Vision. Your Vision. Your Vision. We have your kind of Thor. Kind, kind, kind of? of kind really? Of. He's doing a British accent, isn't he? Okay. Yeah, so we're there for Yeah. yeah. Thor's a Brit. Yay! Mm. Mm. Anyway. In the same way that Sean Connery's actually Lithuanian. <laughs> we sail into history. I just love doing that. Anyway, uh, so we're happy with that. James, you seem very, very happy with this news. Couldn't be more thrilled. <laughs> Thanks, James. <laughs> do you know what I am happy about, though? Oh, God, here we go. This is a gen- genuine thing. Mm. The MCU, after so many years, has finally listened to the podcast. Apparently it's not official has unofficially listened to the podcast <laughs> and apparently now unofficially retconned the timeline for Spider-Man Homecoming, which I thought was a glorious reverse. It did officially retcon the timeline yeah. for Spider-Man Homecoming. It yeah. did so in Avengers Infinity War when Tony Stark said six years and not eight. Well, that's true, but now it's been retconned again to four years. No, that's from that's from the Battle of New York to Spider-Man okay, Homecoming, okay, okay. to Infinity yeah, yeah, War. Yeah, yeah, so, Keep up. Keep Sorry, up so it's so four years. So the official canonic. So then it is official then if it's in Infinity War. So it's four years to six years. Well, no, but and then Infinity of- War was contradicted by that appalling title card in Spider-Man Homecoming. Yes. So we didn't. We still didn't have an official, but, but we still don't have an That's what's been retconned, hasn't it? So essentially the title card we're saying is just erroneous. Yeah, we're basically just ignoring that, which is essentially what Chris and I decided to do years ago anyway. So mm. yeah. it, it works out well. Helen and I will be doing a four and a half hour <laughs> podcast on this development immediately after this. Just, just to clarify why I'm bringing this up, it's because the new uh, book, Marvel Studios, the first ten years, has an official timeline which puts Homecoming at four years. After instead of eight years, so yeah. I'm saying that's at least semi-official. That, that is that is correct. Yeah, it, yeah. Uh, it, it should be correct because it takes place at the same time as Civil War, which takes place. Mm-hmm. They should really go back four and, years and, after. and tweak the title card. Yes, they should because it was idiotic. Yes, uh, that- and it, it makes Michael Keaton's daughter Liz look like an idiot. Like she's drawing a brightly coloured doodle of superheroes when she would be, I guess, thirteen or, or twelve or thirteen. Anyway, so can we thing. talk? Uh, that, that's enough of that nonsense. Yep. Superheroes are a little rubbish. I'm, I'm over that. I'm over that. It's just a phase. And what I'm really into at the moment is Tom Hooper's cats. Because here, 
Here is a movie. A sentence no one has ever uttered. Here is a movie that I genuinely cannot believe exists. And I cannot believe it has attracted the cast that it has attracted. And this week it attracted two more people to its cast, which if you don't know what it is, it is an adaptation of the Andrew Lloyd Webber musical based on the T.S. Eliot poems. Uh, and it is the worst musical I have ever had the misfortune to see. So bad. So, so bad. Uh, it has the one good song, as we've said in the podcast mm-hmm. before. Memory! Blah, 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 blah. That's that exactly yeah. how it sounds, too. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's dre- dreadful. But despite that, Tom Hooper's making a, a, a musical working title are behind it. Good people are good attached. Good people. Good people who know what they're doing are attached to this. Uh, Big Driss, uh, G- Ian McKellen. Ian McKellen. Judy Dench, um, Taylor Hudson. Swift, Jennifer Hudson, who plays Grizabella. She gets to sing the one good song. Uh, and this week they were joined by Rebel Wilson and Jason Derulo, who I'm reliably informed is a popular beat combo. He is. He will be the cat who comes in and immediately says, Jason Derulo, which See, is how all of his songs begin. That's very funny to people who Don't know who he is. Don't have a reference. <laughs> but, but I, it's well, literally I, a reference to his name, James. I mean, there's not a huge amount to I, understand. I appreciate the... I, it's this very is why good. I'm here. This it's is good. For the, for the you Jason are the, the millennials. Concert. Okay. Jason I, I, yeah. yeah. So Jason Derulo is in the movie. He's going to be playing. <laughs> so Rebel Wilson's going to be playing a cat called Jenny Any Dots. Does uh, she have any dots? I don't know. Jason Derulo will be playing Rum Tum Tugger. <laughs> Which I Wikipedia'd because I had to. Of course I just, you did. I just felt like I needed some kind of element of understanding. And he's, yeah. he is the Mick Jagger of the cat's world. Yeah. The last time I Googled Rum <laughs> Tum Tugger, it took me to a website that I should not recommend on the Empire Podcast. Um, so, uh, what, a couple of things I want to say about this, this movie uh, being well, A, why, and B, um, I, I'm desperate to see it because. It's going to be amazing, there's, there's isn't it? There's got to be something. Is this, but is this like Venom, where we kept going? Look, all these great people keep signing up for it. There's got to be something. Yeah. There's got to be something there. There's got to be. There's why are these people why? signing up for this movie? There must be a thing. There's um, got to be a reason. Yes, I think, and it, obviously Venom has paid off. It's made hugely. lots of yes. money around the world. Seven hundred eighty million yeah. dollars in counting. Can we just take a moment to understand that Venom is making more money than Mission Impossible Fallout? And if there were ever proof that there is no higher power in the universe that is it terrible film makes money is not a headline but no it's yeah. not but still yeah. but, um, anyway so i'm excited about this and my theory that i've developed about cats and why it has attracted this cast is that tom hooper has told everybody that they get to sing memory <laughs> and he didn't expect them all to sign on and now he's running around in a flap with a flop sweat trying to work out how they can all sing to one be honest, good song a two-hour version of Memory sung by that cast <laughs> would be better than any version of the musical Cats. I yep. really want to hear Idris Elba's Memory. <laughs> like a really gravelly... Yeah. Believe like, it, it <laughs> Yeah, it'd be amazing, wouldn't With it? With yeah. his big coat on. Be so good. Hey, speaking of Cats... Okay, yeah. Look at this segue. The Lion King trailer oh. is online. I've not seen it. Is it good? I mean, it's the Lion tr- King. It's just exactly the same shots, like framed exactly mm. the same way. It's like the Aladdin one. But isn't now it? they've got more kind of visual noise in the detail. Like I don't, I can't call it live action. I'm sorry. I'm just not going to do that. It's not live action. But I don't know what else to call it. It's the new version of the Lion King. It's photo real animated Lion King. Yeah, sure, I guess. I, I didn't, I mean, fine. Yeah, it's, you're right, I mean, you can't call it It's like very that. impressively mm. done. I, I don't know. I, I, it's you are just a hater, aren't you? I'm not a hater. I, I, well, actually, The Lion King is not my favourite Disney of the <gasps> era. 
Yeah, that's right. I said it. Um, what is Beauty and the Beast? Yes, or Little Mermaid. Probably. Oh, Little oh Mermaid is. Um, I love the but Lion King. It's, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a great film, and they have correctly realised that there is only one James Earl Jones and no one else can James Earl Jones, so he must James Earl Jones, which I'm totally in favour of. Mm-hmm. But, like... <sighs> no, see, I love The Lion King, and it's not just because it features Scar, who apparently I sound like, according to <laughs> iTunes reviews of the pilot podcast, I enunciate like a Disney villain. Cutting so, that bit out. <laughs> so thanks, thanks for that. Uh, but no, Scar's awesome, Jeremy Irons. I, I, yeah, I, I really like the music in Lion King as well. There's just something magical about it. I mean, this is this is just a first teaser. It's very sort of tingly. Oh, here's all the shots you know in a slightly new way. For me, the most exciting thing about this is is the voice cast, and you only really oh, hear James Earl Jones in cast, this. Yeah. But yeah, you have got um, Donald, Donald Glover and oh. um, Beyonce and not Billy the voice cast, and, the, the cast. They played these characters, didn't they? Mocapped. Yeah. You've got Billy Eichner doing little meerkat yeah. moves and. I think somebody, it might have been Robbie Collin on Twitter, pointed out, are we going to get a live-action um, uh, Timon doing do, do the hula, do the hula? In we can only hope. Sort of photoreal animation. That will be a sight to see. Yeah. I, do, I, I mean, how much do you really get from a mocap in this kind of character? I don't know. I'd love to see the hula mocap. The facial mo-cap. structure is like so super different. Like, I don't you're, understand. You're so, you're so like animal racist. I'm, I'm very animal racist, apparently. I, but I just like, if, if something's been done brilliantly i don't know that you need to do it again the same way and having said that mm. like i did really enjoy the jungle book i wasn't expecting to and i, I really really liked it mm. although they they changed that yeah, quite that, a lot that and that i don't know different. how much they're going to change this one but then i i mean why why mess with perfection helen well that's kind of what i'm asking james but the money the money, the money helen, helen. <laughs> think, <laughs> think of the money helen okay this could fund a dozen adaptations of cats that's not a selling point oh yeah sorry i forgot about that uh anyway uh, oh yeah, sorry I forgot about that. Uh, but yeah, anyway, we look forward to Lion King. It is opening in March uh, of next year, so exciting times ahead. Finally, we're going to finish off with some very, very sad news. Which William Goldman, the legendary screenwriter and novelist, uh, passed away at the age of eighty-seven uh, on Friday afternoon, and uh, his contribution to cinema is well, pretty much immeasurable. He is the guy. Forget the fact that he wrote all his classic movies for a second. Forget the fact that he won two Oscars in his life. Forget the fact that he wrote... Uh, we'll list him in a second. Mm. But he wrote a book called Adventures in the Screen Tread. If you have any interest whatsoever in screenwriting, pick up that book. It is invaluable. And, of course, it is best known for his maxim, Nobody Knows Anything, yep. which can be applied to all kinds of situations <laughs> in Hollywood and outside Hollywood and in this pod booth. Uh, he was I interviewed him once and he was very very kind really really wise and uh, very tolerant of a very young reporter's stupid questions but the movies he wrote I mean yeah my god Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid Misery Princess Bride adapted from his own novel mm-hmm. of course The Hot Rock um, he all won the second, all the second Oscar for All the President's Men as well it's an incredible list, just a cavalcade of classics. Yeah, no, I, it's it's he he would have had a pass for life for Butch Cassidy alone. The fact that he kept working at that level is is kind of astonishing. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, I mean, all the president's men again. This is that was a story that kind of almost wasn't finished at the time that you know he started working on that screenplay, and. Um, 
and he managed to make something that people were sick of, that they'd been watching on the news non-stop for a year, and make it this thrilling drama, which is a kind of an astonishing feat as well. Um, yeah, people typing is, is exciting. People typing, it is really exciting. <laughs> yeah. It's an amazing... And then, of course, like I'm going to talk about The Princess Bride because that is one of my absolute all-time favourites. It's... It's brilliant. The book is also brilliant. If you haven't read the book, if you've only seen the film, you have to read it. It's even funnier. It's even funnier. Um, and and the sort of the detail and the context that he gives it in the same way that the grandfather reading to the grandson in the movie um, gives it some context and some detail is just glorious. It is, it is one of the all-time greats, and I think it is... Yeah, I just love it. Indeed. Uh, indeed. Uh, the great William Goldman, who passed away last week at the age of 87. Time now for this week's guest. Taron Edgerton is an old favourite of the podcast. He was on our last live show. Was it our last live show? No, it was the, the, the one we did in February, our 300th episode, where he came along and uh, didn't know it was in front of an audience. And anyway, he was great. Now he is here to talk about Robin Hood, the live-action reimagining of <laughs> the Disney cartoon, I'm guessing. That's, that's what my guess is anyway, in which he plays a titular character. Uh, ben went along to talk to him recently in a London hotel room the day after Taron had finished shooting the Elton John biopic Rocketman. Yeah, he'd shaved his head and he was wearing a hat and we talk about that hat for a little bit at the start of the interview. He was really fun. Wow, exciting stuff to look forward to. Top Here we hat are. chat. Top hat chat indeed. Here we are. Ben Travis talking to Taron Edgerton. Enjoy. So, <laughs> welcome to the Empire Podcast. It's uh, great to be back Taron on the Empire Edgerton. Podcast. Yeah. Last time I did the Empire Podcast, Chris neglected to tell me there were going to be 300 people sat there. Yes, it was the live show, wasn't that was it? The live you just show. kind of turned up. So, and I'm glad to be here on this far lo- more low key version mm-hmm. of things. So, we're here to talk about Robin Hood. We are. Which is really fun and really pacey and really energetic. It is those things, yeah. And it is a very different take on Robin Hood. Did you enjoy it, Ben? Yeah, I did. I, I Good man. had oh, loads of fun with it. Thank you, um, man. And it's it's such a sort of stylized take on that on that myth on that story. Yeah. And um, how did Otto Bathurst, the director, how did he pitch it to you? Because it must have been a kind of difficult one to get across what he was trying to do. Well, so I was, I think I was twenty five. Amazingly, as I turned twenty nine in a couple of days, when mm. they first approached me about it, and they said, uh, my my agents got in touch with me and said, look, do you, how do you, do, are you interested in playing Robin Hood? Mm-hmm. And I said no. Uh, and I I just felt it was far too soon after the last one. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and I just didn't really know if it was... It conjured a very earnest image in my mind yeah. of something that's a bit worthy and a bit thigh-slappy and a bit mm-hmm. panto. And I just sort of thought that's not a- anywhere near what I want my brand to be. Mm-hmm. Um and then, and then Otto pitched it to me, mm-hmm. and I read the script, and it and it just felt like something that wasn't like Robin Hood. Yeah, uh, it felt like something that was different. It felt I'd seen Otto's work in Peaky Blinders, and something of what he did with that kind of historical piece that that. Uh, historical story that is given a sort of very contemporary rock and roll twist. Mm-hmm. If that was, if this was going to be done in that mould, it all of a sudden felt like something, something quite cool. Um, and so, I read it, and there was still work to be done on the script, but I could see the shape of something that was quite interesting, and I felt that I could give it, um, maybe hopefully, a dimension that hadn't been seen in the character before. I'm a younger iteration of the character; mm-hmm. it's a, uh, it's an origin story of of sorts, and. 
I um I just kind of uh it just all of a sudden felt like a good idea, but it was largely Otto and his mm-hmm. description of it feeling very modern. He wanted the the bow and arrow to feel like a gun. He wanted a kind of very you know, like the horse work to feel very kind of uh, utilitarian and fast paced and a means mm-hmm. to an end and something that was very, very choppy and quick and yep. dynamic. And, and um, I just thought it sounded really cool. I mean, even though it's an origin story to an extent, it also doesn't really waste that much time before getting you to being N- no, exactly. Robin Hood, a semblance yeah. of Robin Hood that you recognise. Well, yeah, I mean, the movie licks along, you know, it's a, mm. it's a quick movie, it's a quick, mm. fast moving film. And, you know, it's designed to appeal to a superhero audience. That's mm. what it's, that's, you know, it's a kind of medieval superhero movie is the mm. intention. And um, and so, yeah, you know, the, you find him out in Syria um, during the Crusades, you know, fighting in a, in a kind of fool's war, um, mm. you know, an unjust war. And, um, and he gets very, very badly injured and is through a certain series of events becomes very disillusioned with the side he's fighting for. And comes back to Nottingham, a, ver- a sort of broken man, really. And Jamie Foxx's character, John, steals aboard the ship with him and sets about opening his eyes, really, to what's mm-hmm. going on around him because um, he sees a certain skill set in him and a certain capacity to do something that will change the status quo and shake things up a bit. And and he becomes his mentor and trains him in this very specific uh, style of fight and archery. Mm-hmm. This archery style is is a a saracen style that's kind of all about very very quick close quarters fighting and it's what gives him the edge over the nottingham soldiers Mm -hmm. and allows him to become this kind of this enigmatic idea this the hood they call him and um and it's what allows him to sort of yeah to, to 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 mess up the sheriff's plans I mean that that sequence early on in Syria. That is a moment where you go, okay, yeah, this is this is really different. Yeah. I'm coining that scene. Call of Duty Robin Warfare. Has anyone Whoa! said that to you? Oh, Call of Duty Robin just, Warfare. That's good. I like I that. I just want to get that out because it is very like um, you feel the real tension of it. And it's tactical yeah, it's, and a, it's, it's militaristic. It's, it's, and, exa- and I think it's messy. That's what I like about it. I think you know. It, I think Otto Otto always referred to the Hurt Locker, and I think you know that that idea of that kind of. Iraq, Afghanistan, early noughties, messy, bullets popping around your head, you know, mm-hmm. war is hell, war is messy, war isn't perfect, war isn't sexy, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's it's a messy kick bollock scramble affair and um and I think that first opening sequence really tells that story. I'm very proud of it actually. And you mentioned um uh Jamie Foxx as as little John yeah. earlier on. Yeah. And um I mean the thing uh, with the film, I think there's lots of, in a good way, lots of different tones and textures coming in. And one of the things I really liked was that your guys' relationship, um, it feels a bit like a sort of 80s buddy relationship. That's totally Especially it. your, um, the training montage. Totally that. Felt like a sort of modern version of something you would see in an 80s movie. Completely, completely. And I think that was always the the, the idea. And I always felt that, you know, when it was pitched to me, part of it was that, you know, hopefully Jamie would play John. And mm. I, and I just thought that that was, I felt like we were quite a good fit together. You know, yeah. obviously I'm, a, 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 you know, a, a far smaller deal than Jamie Fox, Oscar winning Jamie Fox, but I felt that we might work well together as a, in a kind of buddy dynamic and an odd couple dynamic. And um, we had a really good time bringing that relationship to life. You know, he has this incredible grounding in, in comedy and is sort of effortlessly very charismatic and cool. And and so and the thing, the thing about Jamie is he's so modern. 
you know, yeah. he's so contemporary, he's so current, he's so cool. And I just think that that really, that's what this world that Otto was building needed, was a, mm. was a linchpin figure like him, which very firmly established us as not being in a world that mm. you can recognise. We were talking before about the fact that Robin Hood has been told so many times. Yeah. Um, who, who was your Robin Hood growing up? Were you, did you well, there was the Disney, f- Disney Fox, Disney definitely. Fox, yeah. Robin Hood and Little John running through the forest. Did you offer to sing in the new one? You're like, I can sing. I try, I try and sing in everything I do. Any <laughs> any chance I get, I am insufferable. Um, uh, and then, I guess the Kevin Costner, Kevin Costner one. Costner, yeah. I would have been, I mean, how old are you, Ben? I am 27. So I'm, I, we would have been quite little then. Yeah, like really I, it was, little. It was um, the year I was born because the, the number one when I was born was, um, everything was Brian I do, Adams, I do everything, which was like basically the whole of 1991 yeah. <laughs> was just was that. It, was 1991 the year it came out? Yeah, I think so. Because I remember seeing it when I was about seven or eight. I think mm-hmm. it came out in 93, but um, obviously I'm wrong. Um, yes, but I remember watching that with my father when I was quite young, mm-hmm. certainly younger than 10, because I always remember that, the old... Hag, who was caught kind of in Alan Rickman's ear, be, yes. being really like frightening, creepy. really Real frightening. Creepy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I don't know if you can uh, tell, and you maybe can't because that's part of the whole situation. But I'm from Nottingham. I grew up. Oh, in Nottingham. really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't so, know that. Um, so how upset were you that we shot it in Dubrovnik? <laughs> Not massively upset because, <laughs> like, you look at the the Ridley Scott one and Russell Crowe. Did an accent. Yes, it's not... An accent what, was done. Yeah, he did. Um, he, and he tried. Didn't he famously walk up a radio show? He did, yeah. he did, because there was some kind of real consternation about... Uh, there, there, were, there were real notes of, like, Irish in there. He was pulling a lot, a lot of yeah. things. And I, I kind of don't blame him, because Nottingham and the Midlands, it's a really hard ac- accent to pin down. Like, yes. There is a bit of one, but you can't really, like... It's got a something of the North is. in it, isn't it? But it's, yeah. not, it's not that. I, could, mm-hmm. I wouldn't brave it myself, not yeah. without some study time. Mm-hmm. But um, yes, bless him. I think that, like he's a he's a, obviously a, a giant of an mm-hmm. actor, and at times in his career has, has obviously given some of the most incredible performances. But yeah. um, I don't that Robin Hood. You know, whilst whilst there were some really great things about it, I think I don't think. It, if you pardon the pun, I don't think it quite found its mark, did yeah. it? You know, <laughs> although it did very well at the box office. I think it made like mm. three hundred fifty million or something. But um, but yeah, it's. I don't think it was. Um, you know, I don't far be it for me to criticise, but mm-hmm. it, um, yeah, I didn't. I think, I think, I think I felt that you know we could do something a bit different to that, mm-hmm. and something that was a little bit more felt felt a bit more modern and a bit mm-hmm. more uh, for a younger audience, perhaps as well. So, so uh, we were mentioning with your your hair before uh, you, you've been All shooting or lack thereof. Yeah, yeah, it's very very short at the moment. Yeah, um, the, yeah, you've been shooting Rocket Man. Are yeah. you still shooting? Are there no, a few I'm bits left now. to do? You're totally done. I'm done. Yeah, Chris came out a little while ago actually, which yeah. is lovely. Um, yes, I'm done. I wrapped on. I wrapped. I picture wrapped on Wednesday, and then I did a few days of. Quite a few days actually of uh, poster shoots and things. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, there's a there's there's a limit to what I can say about it. Um, it's a musical. Um, it's quite grown up in mm-hmm. nature, but also quite uh, also very warm and very celebratory. Whilst kind of delving into some of the, it's more it's more set. It's more about what wasn't seen at the time than than what was, you know. Mm-hmm. I, you know, like I know that Bo Rap has this. I haven't seen it, but it has this sensational Wembley concert at the, yeah. at the end, is what I'm told. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think our, the time we commit to seeing Elton 
on stage is quite limited. I, mm-hmm. I can immediately think of two stage performances, but other than that, three actually. But other than that, they are. It's about his life backstage and what, what and some of the some of the trials and tribulations and and turmoils he went through. Um, uh, so it's a kind of grown-up musical. Yeah, um, I mean, what was it like for you shooting a like a, a full-on musical, basically? Even though I it's loved sort of it. music, biopic, it's been but... without doubt the, the single greatest filmmaking experience of my life. Really, wow. without doubt, yeah, without yeah. doubt. I've I've loved every second of it. I've made so many friends. We've had a great time. Dexter Fletcher, uh, who is my great friend, and our second. We've made two films together mm-hmm. now. Um, I think this is his moment, actually, um, and I, I have really high hopes for the film. Really high hopes. I mean, one of the things, because the first trailer is, is out there already, like a teaser trailer. Yes. Um, oh, I really love that moment where it's um, it's one of the performances, actually, where you're on stage yeah, playing that's one of the three Rocket I'm Man. Of, yeah. um, and as you play Rocket Man, the, the, the crowd kind of starts to float into the area of yeah. zero gravity. And that's such like a beautiful visual moment. Yeah. Are there all kind of things like that peppered through the film? I, I, that just really intrigued me in a way um, that it's just, it's different it's got, to what you expect. So it's, it's, it, what you shouldn't expect is a biopic. Mm-hmm. And if you liked that moment, then I will say that I don't think you'll be disappointed when you watch it. <laughs> Very good. And um, and you uh, mentioned before, we've spoken to uh, Matthew Vaughan about the project. Oh, I'm he's sorry. He's producing and it's his studio. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and yeah, he mentioned as well that this is, it's kind of R-rated, it's, it's yeah. sex, drugs, rock and roll. Yeah, it is. Is yeah. it kind of, yeah, really leaning into that? Yeah, it is leaning into that. I don't think we've been gratuitous, but we certainly haven't shied away from it. You know, I shot my first sex scene in, in it, and um, and uh, and it's, uh, it, we, we've, I personally have really tried to throw myself into finding the spirit of who Elton is, and that means exploring in a very hands-on way his sexuality, his relationship with substances, um, his notoriously tempestuous nature mm-hmm. uh, and trying to humanise that and make that uh, something that, that people can understand. Um, the movie we've shot is, is I, I think, quite brave and, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and our, our wonderful um, studio, Paramount, have been incredibly supportive of that as the endeavour and um, I'm very excited to see how it, how it unfolds and how it moulds into a film because I, I think it could be, I really hope it could be something quite special. There's a huge weight of responsibility when it comes to telling the story of Elton John and I think the storytelling style and techniques that Dexter has employed and our cinematographer George Richmond, I, I just think it's, um, I, th- I just think it's quite unusual to, mm-hmm. uh, 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 certainly at studio movie level because it's quite um, unconventional and, and I, uh, I think it could be good. I really yeah. do. I really hope it's good because the, the experience of making it has been so positive and so invigorating and exciting. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure out if I've said anything I shouldn't. <laughs> oh, well, fuck it. Um, um, I, I, like, you know, I, I think I think there's a good movie in there. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing good, it. Thanks, and, um, so, speaking of, of, of Matthew, I wanted to pick up on something that's um, sort of relatively fresh news um, that uh, you're not going to be in Kingsman 3 or... I just wanted to kind of break down what that is because, again, when we've spoken to Matthew, he told us quite a bit about the upcoming projects and the plans for that series that, mm. as well as the sort of um, eggsy Harry Hart film, uh, there's uh, the plan for the Kingsman The Great Game, which yes. is a sort of 1900s, early 20th so century So that's Kingsman the one film. I'm referring to when I say I'm not right. going to be in it. Um, so is that kind of coming first? There was talks of that yeah. shooting back-to-back? or um, I mean, I'm not, um, uh, I'm not done with my... Several row suits. It's just <laughs> there's 
there's other things happening within that universe that are get, the, you know, there's a story that's going to be told before the next okay and you know potentially final iteration in the mm-hmm. Harry and Eggsy saga yeah because I guess when you do stuff that's set beforehand then that can affect well, it's set future hundred years ago, and, so yeah. you know I, I I would be a twinkle in my great great grandfather's <laughs> eye um, mm-hmm. uh but you know, it's Matthew Vaughan. He keeps his cards close to his chest, and he he always delights and surprises. And I, from what I've heard about Kingsman: The Great Game, I think it's going to be fucking brilliant. And uh, so, when the time comes for you to do that that last um, of the uh, Eggsy and Harry Holt films, how are you going to how are you going to feel about uh, wrapping up as Eggsy that role that kind of basically launched made your my name? Career? Yeah, um, I think I will feel like I think I think Eggsy. I, I've loved it, but it feels like my 20s, you know, and mm-hmm. I think going into my 30s, I think I will start to, even if I don't look it, I will start to feel old to play this this, this sort of street urchin. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, my dream for it would be that I could do one more and that people responded well to it and, um, and that it was... Uh, a success in the way that the first two have been. I would like the third one to be better received than the second one was. I okay. felt we got a bit of an unfair kicking, if mm-hmm. I'm totally honest. Was that difficult for you? When um, I think in some respects it was because I I I I, I just gave everything to it, and yeah. um, and then it was so quickly torn down um, that I think I did feel a bit of a sting. I think in some respects it probably wasn't as uh, quite as well put together a film as the first one, but n- not. It certainly wasn't a bad film, and, and when we got this real kick in, and I think what I would like to happen is for us to do a third one, and for it to feel like a worthy, a worthy third instalment to what has been a great part of my life, and then my dream for it would be that I would kind of hang up my suit for, you know, ten, fifteen years, mm-hmm. and then come back and pass the mantle on. That's exactly. that's what I'd like to do. Um, mm-hmm. Be the uh, Harry to a new exit. That's what I'd like way. to do. Yeah. yeah, I think that would be fun. But that we'd we'd have to take a step away from it for a while before we yeah. did that. But that that for me that would be the the perfect kind of way to to wrap up what has been a huge huge part of my life and something that I will always be incredibly grateful to Matthew for mm-hmm. um, and will always be in his debt for. Um, so you never know. Watch this space. Either way. Kingsman's going to survive with or without me. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, thanks so much for your time, Taryn Edgerson. It's been lovely to have you back thanks, on the ben. pod. Great speaking cool. with you. Thanks very much. Okay, time now to talk about this week's releases. Let's start with The Christmas Chronicles, actually, mm. which is on Netflix. And this is the big selling point, Helen. Kurt Russell as Santa. Yeah. Do we need to know anything else? No, you don't. It's wonderful. It's it's sort of, it felt to me a little bit like, and I mean this as a compliment, Santa Claus the movie. Right? It feels like it offers a new generation an explanation for how Santa Claus does what he does. Um, my dad tells a story about me watching Santa Claus the movie as a sort of seven-year-old when I was beginning to waver, and that basically solidifying my belief for like another three years. And I feel like this is going to do the same thing for a generation of kids. It's going to explain to them how Santa works. Um, for a slightly older generation, it's going to make us very confused as to how we're supposed to feel about Santa because <laughs> Kurt Russell, his beard is really so magnificent with the hair and the beard. And the, mm. Anyway. Um, you did say that you were sexually confused. You tweeted about how you were sexually <laughs> confused by Santa Claus. I, just, I mean, there's a bit with a, an open shirt and a medallion. Yeah. I mean, I don't a know. A man who we should say swaggers around town with a bulging sack. Well, that's... Uh, 
I mean, I hadn't really put that together, but okay, I guess. Anyway, so Kurt Russell is wonderful Santa Claus. And, and he basically, uh, the, the story of, of the film is that these uh, two very sweet children basically uh, accidentally cause a crash of his sled uh, in Chicago. And he has to reassemble the bits. He has to find the reindeer again. He has to find his sack. Stop it, Chris. He has to find and repair the sleigh. They have to help him. There's a bit where he ends up in prison. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's kind of wonderful. There is, there is, a, there is a musical number that is is one yep. for the ages. It's wonderful. He goes um, full Elvis, pretty much. He does he? go full Elvis, yeah. yeah. And uh, and yeah, I, I very very much enjoyed this. I had a really good time. Um, so yeah, it's not. I mean, it's it's not. It's flawed. It's, it, yeah, yeah, it's not great art, no. is it? But it is. I, it is a really solid feel-good Christmas movie. The Santa Claus the movie analogy is a perfect one because I thought of that as well because mm. the, it's a brother and sister in this but the yeah. central relationship in this reminded me of the central relationship between the young girl and the, the rich girl and the poor boy in the that poor one. boy yeah. in Santa Claus the movie. Um, David Huddleston may still be my premier movie Santa Claus but Kurt Russell is up there largely because he's basically playing Kurt Russell. Yeah, as, he is 100%, 100% <laughs> playing Kurt Russell who I know I believe might live at the North Pole and make toys for children I'm not sure I, I don't doubt it <laughs> I really don't doubt it uh, he is a lot of fun go and see this but I think kids in particular are going to love this oh, yeah. they're, little, they're the sort of little gremlin-esque you tell Chris Columbus's hand is all over this a little bit and uh there are gremlin-esque elves that pop up towards the end. They're quite naughty and mischievous and a lot of fun. Bad yeah. CG, but you get yeah. past that. And uh, and they're, they're quite fun. And Kurt's great. So, yeah. yeah. And this is on Netflix, we should say. It's not This cinema is movie. on Netflix. You can see it on Netflix as of today. And if you want to hear Kurt Russell talking about that and some of his other great roles from uh, Snake Plissken to R.J. McCready, and then you can listen to our, our new interview special with Kurt Russell, which will be up uh, this weekend sometime. I'm guessing it'll be up tomorrow, Saturday, by the time you hear this. So check out that. Next up, we have The Girl in the Spider's Web, which is a strange beast, really. It is a reboot of the Dragon Tattoo movies, but skips the official sequel novels by Stieg Larsson and goes straight to the one that came out a few years ago. Uh, written by someone whose name I can't remember. I apologise. And it doesn't have David Fincher, it doesn't have Daniel Craig, it doesn't have Rooney Mara. Instead, it has Ben Travis. It has Claire Foy as Lisbeth Salander. Uh, a quite a different take on the character. She's slightly mm. softer and slightly warmer, but that's only in relation to Numi Rapaz's and um, uh, Rooney Mara's exceptionally icy, cold uh, take on the character. Um, so this time, she is still a hacker. She is uh, hired to... Uh, kind of take care of an extremely dangerous computer program, but she's attacked and the uh, the software is stolen and she has to track it down, get it back, and it ends up having some ties to her past. Um, this is directed by Fede Alvarez, who did the Evil Dead remake mm. and uh, Don't Breathe, which is great if you've not seen that. Mm-hmm. Um, he brings a really good eye to this. Um, I think he's got some really lovely sort of imagery in there. Um, he, I just think it's he's nice, he's yeah. a he's a really solid director. Um, this film is quite a bit more toned down compared to the previous Dragon Tattoo films, but it's a slightly more James Bondy take on the on the series on the character. Um, I have to say personally, I 
didn't massively mind that. It is a very different kind of take. Uh, it's quite a fast-paced, propulsive thriller, and it's a little bit ludicrous. Um, there will be moments all the way through where you're going, oh, this is a bit cliched, or this doesn't really work, but I think it moves pretty quickly, mm. and uh, if you just go in expecting a uh, like decent enough thriller with an interesting lead character, a, a good take on the character from, from Claire Foy, if not probably the definitive take, I, I think, um, she I think you'll really find good, stuff though. to enjoy. Yeah, I mean, she she sets the queen to rest within about 10 seconds of being mm-hmm. on screen. You're just like, like do you know what I mean? They're, they don't even look alike. She's done that, I think, in everything she's done yeah, since, she, yeah. since The Crown. She does, yeah. Whether it's... Um, but she's she's I'm really impressive that. in this. So, um, yeah. and yeah, I mean, it, it does feel very much naughty and just another Scandi Noir, but, mm-hmm. um, but a good one. So, hey. Yeah. Uh, three stars. Yeah. We gave three stars to The Girl in the Spider's Web, but it didn't do well at the box office when it opened last week in the States. So I suspect... That might be it as far as Lizbeth Slander is concerned for the time being. And Mikhail Blumfist, who's like very small brackets, <laughs> very small font for the brackets around his name in this one. Jimbo, uh, we're going to talk about Robin Hood very, very quickly because we're very running briefly. out of time. People are That's banging on the window. All Sorry, the time it deserves. Uh, this is, in fact, the latest uh, adaptation of the tale of the show at Outlaw. This is by Otto Bathurst, who's most famous for, I guess, Black Mirror and directing Peaky Blinders. It stars Taron Egerton as Robin of Loxley, fresh back from the Crusades to discover that the Sheriff of Nottingham, played by an incredibly one-note evil Ben Mendelsohn, uh, is in league with the Catholic Church and threatening to... I mean, who honestly cares? So, the problem with this is it's trying very, very hard to be super contemporary and super cool and super uh, relevant. So it's it goes for that kind of very arch, anachronistic historical look that Brian Helgeland did in A Knight's Tale, except without any of the wit or flair or humour. And it just comes across as entirely tedious and pointless. Um, I really thought this film would be terrible. I was inclined to give it a chance because Ben saw it and said it was good. And then I saw it with you, Chris, and let's say... It lived up to its initial hype. Uh, it was not good. I just, I, I like there are anyone who's even familiar with the, the 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 story will be. I think the more familiar you are and the more affection you have for Robin Hood, the less you will enjoy this film because it strays so far from the kind of accepted canon of this story. Yeah, I don't think it's a great Robin Hood film. It is a weird take on it the is. character and on the mythology. But I went in like you, having seen the trailer and thinking this does not look good at all. This looks just really bad. Yeah, um, and. About half an hour in, I was thinking, I'm quite enjoying this. I found it really... Um, what, why? It, How? Yes, what's what's wrong with you? Right, I think Taryn Edgerton is is kind of charming and fun in the lead role. Uh-huh. Um, I actually really like Ben Mendelsohn's villain. I thought right. I was expecting run-of-the-mill villain stuff, but I think and he really pushes it. He has some really great lines in this that he like. Does he have you barks. seen the Kevin Costner Robin Hood? <laughs> I have. Really I have. great I was lines. Born in the he year never of, calls uh, off of Christmas. No, I found this actually... It wastes absolutely no time, and it's got an energy to it that I honestly had no time to stop and think if this take on Robin Hood was really terrible or not. Because but it, it was it just, is, Ben. It was just it's unfolding in front of your eyes. <laughs> yes. The terribleness was happening in front of your eyes. I can't explain it. Was it was there but all I, along, Ben. <laughs> the terribleness was inside it. you all along. I, I just... Were you having a Hill House <laughs> moment? Like an entirely different film was Maybe kind of unfolding. I was. I, honestly, I went expecting the absolute worst. And you were given it. And... I thought it was all right, to be honest. I can honestly, I can count at least five films that I have enjoyed much, much less than that. This In year. your life, <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, this year, this year, I, I, oh. I think it's. It's perfectly fine. Has some nice visual moments in. I, I like some of the performances in it. I'm not rushing back for the sequel. It very kind of. It's clearly it's never going to end. happen. But I think I think this is one of those things that 
everyone's shitting on it now. Yes. But maybe in a couple no, of years, one of, there will be a few not. extra dissenting maybe, voices. Maybe flowers will grow from that <laughs> manure. Absolutely you know? not. Honestly, yeah. on a, this is not even on the level of Legend of the Fucking Sword. It's, uh, it's, it's an abomination. The movie itself is awful. It's misconceived on almost every single level. <laughs> Every single level. But yeah. apart from that, but Mrs. Lincoln, 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 she can't say how is the theater? Yeah. It is Guy Ritchie presents Bat Assassin's Creed. And yeah. it's as yeah. terrible how? and weirdly enjoyable as that sounds. Uh, so, yeah, so we gave this film two stars, which it was actually generous. Uh, I'm, I might give it a lone, a lone star rating. Don't watch it, even if your life depends on it. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a bad film, Ben. We need to have a chat. Everyone, feel free to at me. Feel free to at me. So that's it for this week's Empire Podcast. Join us next week for more film-related fun, where we'll be joined by possibly two of our favourite directors. Ooh. So there's Alfonso Cuaron, Ooh. director of Roma, which will be getting a cinematic release ahead of its release on Netflix next week. That's the cinematic release next week. Netflix comes in December. Mm-hmm. And possibly Taika Waititi, <gasps> who is in town this weekend to give a screenwriting lecture at BAFTA. And we might be speaking to him, not set in stone yet, but we might be speaking to him. So if we are, that'll be on next week's podcast. If we don't, then you get Alfonso Cuarón. I mean, that's that's not still bad. pretty good. That's not too bad. That's not too shabby. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and we've also got a whole bunch of specials coming up as well. We have the Kurt Russell interview special coming up. We have our Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald spoiler special. That'll be up on Tuesday. And that's going to be with the Davids, Yates and Heyman giving Ben lots of spoiler answers uh, so that's going to be a lot of fun. We haven't recorded that yet, which is why it's not up until Tuesday. We've got all sorts of stuff. Keeping peel for spoiler specials on the likes of hopefully Creed 2 and Aquaman and maybe even Bumblebee uh, over the next few weeks. So it's going to be a pretty you know, busy time in the run-up to Christmas. Um, but we should, before we go, talk about the thing I mentioned at the very beginning of the show, <laughs> which is this new song by Lynn Mamel Miranda. And John Candor. And, Jan, and John Candor. Mm. That I can't quite get my head around. Because I'm not sure if it's meant to be for Hamilton or not. So do you want to fill people in on what it is, very briefly? It's it's Well, so he's been doing basically monthly Hamill drops, which are either remixes, new performances, um, new takes on the music from Hamilton. And this is him sitting down with the sort of legendary Broadway composer, John Candor, and, and working together on a song. And you're right, it's a sort of, uh, it's in a weird grey area. Is it about... Uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda himself or is it about Mm -hmm. Hamilton or is it about a little bit of both it's called cheering for me now yeah and And will they cheer forever who knows and uh, I tell you what it's an interesting song because I don't know whether this is you know these new songs and the Hamill drops or whatnot are going to be incorporated into the show at some point no you don't think? No. I think the they're show kind of done. Ad- adjacent to the Hamilton mixtape, yeah. which they said they were going to do a second one of, and then I think everything kind of got a bit much, okay. and they did these kind of monthly drops as a, as a kind of yeah. alternative okay. to doing a full I still, second I think mixtape. Yeah, I think they're still may, they okay. may be sort of collated like that Ooh. on another mixtape or something. Because the video is him in his Hamilton costume, and I know he's going to play Hamilton again in the in Puerto, Puerto Rico. Rico. Yeah. yeah, and potentially at some point London as mm-hmm. well. He's mentioned that as, as, as a thing he would like to do. So I don't know. I don't know. It, it, it was interesting. But also, I, I, if you guys check out the video, I don't know if you've had a chance to see it yet. Or you know, His voice sounds richer and deeper than it did on the Hamilton original soundtrack, yeah. almost as if he's worked on it a well, little bit. It, it may be, number one, he may not be doing it eight times a week, which is probably, you know, his, yeah. his voice probably rested slightly. Number two, he may have done a lot of work. I know he worked very hard in his dancing, for example, but he may have done voice work as well for Mary mm. Poppins mm. which might also help I mean think about how Madonna's voice changed after doing Evita um, oh god yeah 
you know, so I think that there might be a bit of both of those. But I think probably the, the exhaustion factor of having been on Broadway is probably a bigger a bigger factor. I would I would imagine. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, dude can sing. So right. dude can sing and write and do all of that yeah. that good funky stuff. Sure. The man is non-stop. <laughs> On that bombshell, it is time to say goodbye to our three colleagues of such lethal cunning. There's a man who has disconnected from this podcast for a good 10 or 15 minutes. He's just been basically just a body in the box, just making up numbers. James Dyer. I was so overwhelmed by having Beric here that frankly, I'm, I'm just exhausted. The excitement has just got to me. It was amazing, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, goodbye. Bye. That's <laughs> goodbye from Ben Travis. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from Helen O'Hara. Tiddly. And it's goodbye from me. I am off to prepare, refise, study hard for next week's HQ Marvel Universe special. Because what I really need in my life is an excuse to watch some Marvel movies. Thanks so much for listening. See you next week. Bye.